The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good day again, and welcome again to another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. This is your host, Richard Address, coming to you from the beautiful studios of WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia. And we're streaming live all over the known universe on www.dbam.com. You can reach us at Boomer Generation Radio on, on, at gmail.com or like us at the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page. And again, our shows are all archived on my website, www.jewishsacredaging.com. And we'll be right back with Stephen Marcia Plotkin, who just off of a plane from all around the world, and they're going to tell us how not to flunk retirement, which I'm very anxious to hear myself. And we'll be back with Stephen Marcia right after these words from our friends down the street at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio was brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services in eight states that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Please join us in Together Transforming the Experience of Aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back here to our first segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio, uh, coming to you again from WWDB AM 860 and streaming live on WWDB AM Dot com. Steve and Marcia Plotkin, uh, computer specialists, real estate entrepreneurs, world travelers, raconteurs, <laughs> experts in how not to flunk retirement. Welcome to Boomer Generation Radio. First of all, thank you for coming in. I know you're just off a plane from Southeast Asia, and so a little jet lag. Um, welcome, and thank you for coming in. We want to talk a little bit about um, this idea that that you seem to be living, uh, and that is transitioning into second or third stages of life after full time work. Yeah. So first of all, Steve Marcia, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, appreciate Thank you, you coming in. Uh, talk to me a little bit about um, in your work life. Uh, you 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 had a computer business. You sold that. You're now into real estate um, down in Delaware, the Delaware Shore, Bethany Beach. Uh, you travel a lot. What what went into your transitions of life? And, you know, you could have obviously stopped, sold your business and just gone to Florida, played uh, golf, uh, cut coupons and uh, <laughs> and lived the good life. What was it about your own desires that said not none of that for us? We're going to have another business. We're going to keep doing this stuff. Well, What's first of all, we're type A personalities. So that choice Probably we didn't even think about doing that. We, um, before we retired, uh, we knew that uh, we were pretty lucky because we retired early when we sold our business. Uh, we were 55 and 56, and that, that's pretty early retirement. But we knew that we wanted to travel, and at that point we had also bought our second investment property. And that required decorating, getting it in order, figuring out how to rent it, what we wanted to do. So we sort of had one leg into something else, mm -hmm. even before we left our 
company. We did have to work a couple of years for our company. We had an, also had a non-compete for several years. Right. And um, that just sort of got us into a different mode. Steve came up with a 90-degree angle, and I came up with a bucket list. And what that means is uh, I had a list of about 25, 30 things that I thought I might want to do in retirement. And I don't want to even want to use the word retirement. I want to say rewiring because that's pretty much what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Steve had another theory, which was let's do a 90-degree turn. We will not do anything we had done before, and we will try to do all new different things and see what sticks. And so armed with that kind of theory, we were able to um, put some things in place, and we both loved traveling, so that, that became the first thing that we did. And luckily, we did have some resources to be able to do that. So, Steve, talk to me about this 90-degree turn that Marcia is talking about. What, what does that mean? What sure. That mean? Well, most people live their lives uh, sort of like uh, between the railroad tracks. If you can visualize a railroad track going to infinity, they rarely do things outside the comfort zone, which is inside the railroad track. And the 90-degree means that suddenly you're going 90 degrees to the railroad track, and you're off the tracks. You're doing things that you might not have done before. For example, let's say that uh, you decided that you want to dance. Well, you never dance in your life, but now you're dancing. And that's just a simple, simplistic kind of example. But in our case, the 90 degrees involved shifting our interests to more towards the travel, uh, more towards uh, volunteer work, uh, more towards participating in, in activities. And we've followed through over the years to do some of those things. Uh, it's available to everybody, really. There's no secret in this. Uh, one example would be... Um, the business of just volunteering. Uh, when the Pope came to town, we volunteered, and I wound up on national television down in front of the stage as a volunteer by accident, but it was a lot of fun spending that day just volunteering uh, at, that, at that international event. Uh, we also have scheduled to volunteer at the Democratic National Convention coming up this summer. Uh, we will volunteer at the Ocean City Air Show just as flunky work. This is fun. Yeah, this and it's fun. just for fun. There's no money, and it doesn't cost us anything, but it's uh, enriching, and it's, uh, it's easy to do. Anybody can do it. Okay, but let, let's, let's talk about this, because there's a lot of people who may be listening who are saying, gee, uh, that sounds so exciting. I wish I could do what they do, but I'm, uh, there's something holding. Not everybody has the courage uh, to make that 90-degree turn, because a lot of people are very comfortable, and the idea of change frightens the you-know-what out of them. Right. So what, by self-admission, you're both type A personalities. Yeah. This, the, that, that carrot and stick, you always have to have something in front of you. Right. But if you're not that type of a personality, what yeah. kind of advice would you give to those people who would like to do this, but they kind of like, oh, I, I'm so concerned yeah. about change, you know, what right. happens, what happens of this What if, what if? Right. Well, for one thing, we both decided it's okay to fail. Uh, Talk to me about that. And we have failed. In our second business is not the best business in the world, uh, this real estate venture. We got into it uh, during the boom, and uh, it hasn't been the best business in the world. So, uh, but we have had a lot of fun doing it. Some of the things that were on my bucket list, for instance, I got into them like like learning to play the piano because I had always wanted to do that. But you know what? 
I notice that I don't really sit down and play at the piano <laughs> or practice or do what I'm supposed to be doing with it. So it's okay to bump into something, try it for a while, and if you don't like it, so go out and go do something else. I mean, at this stage in our life, we're not getting graded. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference on our permanent record. But, but I think you're right. Fear of failure, it might be overwhelming for a lot of people. It is, yeah. And... Um, I don't know if it was Einstein or somebody made some comments about it. If you don't fail two or three times before you succeed in anything, then something's wrong. Right. Uh, and that's a common wisdom. And again, if, it, if they apply this 90-degree idea, then the fear of failure would be set aside because inherently it means you're going in the direction of discomfort. I, but, but this 90-degree, let, let me throw out this idea because um, since you've lived it uh, and are living it, the 90-degree turn... I would submit has a lot to do with what I call two major wild cards in life, health and money. Yes, absolutely. You, you need both to make that 90-degree yeah. turn, don't right. you? Well, you will always have intermittent in interruptions on both health and money. Uh, I can tell you that you can travel without great deals of money. There are many ways to do it. I can make some suggestions for people to go look at. Uh, for example, yeah. um, one thing uh, I would suggest, if you're buying an airplane ticket, go to itasoftware.com and do your detailed technical investigation of what flights are available and what the costs are and so forth. Another thing is uh, travelzoo.com. It's a website that produces a weekly newsletter of specials. And the specials, some of them are just downright amazing. Travelzoo? Travelzoo.com. Yep. I'll write that uh, down. Got that. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that we took a trip to Turkey some years ago. It cost us about $1,100 each, including airfare and ground and everything, for about 12 days. Were there seats in the plane? There were there seats were. in the plane. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Because I'm afraid of one of these. You know, you have to, it's like the subways <laughs> in New York. You're going to no, be sure. okay. holding on. <laughs> well, to this day, I have no idea how they did it. And I think it was offered by Gate One Travel. There's, by yeah. Gate One, who's yeah. local, by the way. Right. Yeah. There are uh, many different ways to travel very inexpensively. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've done is just go to McDonald's and get a cup of coffee. And to me, that's a bit of a travel. You know, as long as you're it's out be of... an adventure, too. <laughs> absolutely. You can be out of your house. And even if you go to the middle of Pennsylvania or wherever it is you're going, there's so many different ways to stay inexpensively. Yeah. One of the things that we've used also from the time... Well, at the time you had to be 55. I think now you only have to be 50 is Road Scholar, which used to right. be called Elder Hostel. Yeah. And uh, their trips are not necessarily the cheapest, but you get really good value for uh, for where you're going. Right. right I now. know we've interviewed people. And in fact, um, Rick Moody, the former head of that, uh, mm -hmm. was, was on, has been on the show a couple of times. And they, they've really expanded and really yeah. do some very, very powerful uh, trips. Yeah, we've taken uh, maybe a dozen trips right. around different places in the world, and uh, their value-add is substantial. It's worth the money. What's the role of fun as you transition from full-time work into the third stage of life? What's the role of having fun? You Just mean the F word? The, yes. That one, yeah. yeah the very one important. that you can use. Yeah, very important. When we had our company, we had a rule that was uh, don't do business with people you don't like. And I think the same thing, and it worked for all of, our, all of our employees. We instructed them, if there's a problem, you know, we'll back away from the business opportunity. That had to do with fun, and I think that translates forward now to fun, um, spending a lot of time thinking about what's pleasant. And, how do you, and, and you still do this now in, the, in what you're doing? 
and and the travel you you mentioned that one of the other things that intrigued me when we were talking before the show is you had this goal of a hundred a hundred countries yes I decided I wanted to go to a hundred countries and so we hadn't we had traveled but not as extensively as we did um, in our mid fifties on and so I started making uh, just sort of areas that we wanted to go to. And somewhere around the 60th country, we actually hit our seventh continent. Wow. And so, Antarctica. And that's a lot of fun, actually, because when you do that, other people around you know it, and they get you champagne, and they toast, cool. and all that kind of stuff. So, so this last trip... You hit 100? 103. 103. Uh, yeah. 104, actually. He Four. It's not quibble. But, yeah, you know. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there is a website, Marcy, why don't you mention that? Yeah, it's called yeah. travelerscenturyclub.com. Travelers yeah. That's a long word, I know, and it's all one word. Yeah. And They, have a they list. list something like 325 countries wow. that are out. Half of them you've never heard of before. But... Uh, they're a municipality. They're some kind of government entity, right. and you can go visit them. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there are some places in the world that we have decided we're just not going to, and we'll just never get there. But buy a postcard. Uh, and so, what we started doing in the beginning, we were maybe going to one country, and then we had the bright idea: well, let's um, double up on that. And like this last place we went to, Southeast Asia, we actually hit seven countries. Wow. So we're speaking with Stephen Marcia Plotkin, um, real estate moguls, uh, former computer uh, service industry owners, but now world travelers and experts on dealing with our third stage of life and retirement. We're going to be back. We're going to be back with them in a second, right after this word from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, founded on Quaker principles. Kendall provides independent living, assisted living, memory support, skilled nursing and rehabilitation care for older adults in eight states. Whether you're looking for the intellectual and cultural stimulation of a college town or a big city, Kendall has a community for you. We are together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more, visit Kendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Again, and welcome back to. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> our our first segment here on Boomer Generation Radio. We're with Stephen Marcia Plotkin here on Boomer Generation Radio on WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia, and again streaming live on WWDBAM.com. Uh, so we're talking a little bit about all these transitions. How important it is, in your experience, uh, Steve and Marcia, to have some sort of a retirement plan? You, you kind of mentioned that you really didn't have one, but in yeah. looking back and talking to other people, how, how yeah. important it is it for, for people to sit down maybe a couple of years before they know they're going to leave yeah. uh, a full-time yeah. work and yeah. start planning things? Well, exit strategy is the magic, one of the magic words, and we knew that we had to sell our company we needed an exit strategy. Right. It actually took us four years to execute that piece, so it doesn't happen automatically. But once we did leave, of course, I think that the, the first step I think we took was we went to our lawyer and had him draw up all the all the will type stuff and the complicated. We had a team. Things. Yeah, 
we had a team in place. So we had a financial advisor, right. an accountant, a lawyer, yeah. a pension person, all the things that you need, living wills, the whole, the whole bit. What has surprised me about retirement is that those things still need to be revisited. I oh, thought, regularly. Yeah, yeah, I thought, well, good, it's done. We spent a lot of money getting it done. But uh, that didn't work out that way. And even now, we've just finished tweaking our wills a little bit. So, Well, sure, we, we've discussed that you know, a lot on the show. Yeah. First of all, everything changes every couple of years, even to the root of medical technology. And you may want to make some changes, and your life changes. And um, kids, grandchildren change, right. and everything. You have to constantly reevaluate. Right. But that's the documentation part of the planning. And once you get beyond that, then what do you do? Mm -hmm. And I think our aim was probably in three or four directions, certainly the travel thing. But I think we also uh, wanted to wanted to volunteer into things. And Marcia was a, a board member of JEVS for 20 years. Which is years. what? JEVS Human Services. It's a nonprofit in Philadelphia. It's one of the largest ones. Okay. Yeah. And you do what there? I'm on the board and just... Uh, Basically, right now, my job is to uh, work with a group called Jeffs at Home, where they supply um, caretakers and people to help people who um, have difficulty just doing daily things in their own homes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and Jeffs in general is uh, was formed in 1946 to help people get work, and so it aims towards disadvantaged people, people who are in prison, have been on drugs, mental incapacities, uh, things like that. And this is, I know this is a long time, very powerful and popular program here in Philadelphia. Uh, so the volunteering thing you find, because uh, in all the literature, the mm -hmm. literature that's coming out about retirement, especially for our generation, yeah. the baby boomers, and what are we going to do with all the time we have? Uh, talk to me a little bit about the importance of keeping one's social interactions alive, relationships, involvement. You seem to be living it, yeah. um, but really it's important, isn't it? You have to yeah. work at it. Yeah. What do you mean work at it? You can't let your friends go by the wayside. You need to keep in contact. Is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you need to keep in contact uh, with your friends. I'm sort of on a little bit of a kick right now to make friends with people who are younger than I am because I'm worried that if I make them with people who are older, they might kick the bucket before <laughs> I do. <laughs> but, yeah. but My sense, I bet you're not a fan of moving into an over, six, over 55 retirement community, are you? Not yet. We're in our 70s and yeah. we're hanging in. But there is another view of, um, of this, of this uh, volunteer stuff. That each of the different groups that we're associated with brings along a separate group of friends. Right. So, for example, we're members of the Rehoboth Beach Writers Guild. And, and that cluster of people are, are unique. Mm -hmm. uh, they're writers. They live down in the shore uh, near where our you know, Bethany Beach facility is. And that gives us uh, one group. Uh, another group is uh, I'm involved on in the National Board of Volunteers for Israel, which sends volunteers to, over to Israel to volunteer with the IDF. And I've done it about a dozen times. And that's a whole new group of friends that we have. So we've sort of expanded our friendship uh, connections through these different groups. So the, the, you, you write in some of the uh, material that w was sent to me prior to, and we were talking about this before we went on, went on the air, uh, strategies not to flunk retirement, which I think right. is a great, great line. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, do you know, by the way, do you know people who flunked retirement? 
Yeah, what do you mean? He, we, it's, it's radio. So uh, yeah, yeah. We, so we, he's pointing to himself. Yeah, right. You know? we, we have we have flunked retirement. Okay. We, we're very proud of that fact, right. and we never use the R word to start with. Right. But we've definitely flunked it. Um, and I think um, in our case, anyhow, we, we've also built it around staying in business. Um, husband and wife working together, having family together, living together, and so forth. Very difficult for them to also be in business together. Maybe one out of ten couples can pull it off. We've been successful. You're very it. lucky. It usually very winds lucky. up in divorce court. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But but I found the answer. And, and the I'm, answer not sure, is, I'm not sure my wife agrees, but I the, don't agree the, with the answer is, in our case, the only true for us, we're both the eldest uh, siblings of our family. Right. We're both type A. So how do, who's the boss? And the answer is, if the woman's not the boss, it can't work. So Marcia has been and, and works at the president of our company and the CEO, and she did the job. She had 51% of the stock, not just to be a woman own company that was marginal for us, but rather to allow us to continue to exist together and succeed together. So the, that, that's our answer to the problem. And of course, I disagree with them, but that's okay. okay and why do you disagree? <laughs> um, I just think that maybe it's his personality that would say, okay, you, you be the president and I'm going to be the VP and, and um, not have to deal with the administrative stuff that that needs to get taken care of. All right, All right. but that but it's a partnership, it, it and is. it works, and yeah. obviously it, it, it's worked it for you. How long have you been married? 52 years. So it's obviously worked for five decades, so yes, right. uh, don't knock it. But in, you know? in several businesses also, right. and each business, of course, brings its unique challenges. The, the, we're we're going to start to ease out of this segment time-wise, yeah. but I want to talk to you a little bit about your impressions because, look, you, you've been successful, you are successful, uh, you've been blessed with the ability to travel and to do these things. The baby boom generation to which you know we focus a lot on here on the show, now walking hesitantly probably into their 70s, uh, faced with maybe the blessing of longevity and maybe 10 to 20 to maybe 30 years of life mm-hmm. ahead, yeah. given the wild cards of money and health. What's the best advice that you can give to this generation about how to keep active, stay active, yeah. and, not f- and, and to flunk retirement? I think the first thing I would suggest is go to a website that projects your life expectancy. And there are several out there. What do you mean by projects my life expectancy? Well, I, I'm 75 now. How long am I going to live? And the answer is, according to actuarial stuff, is 88. That's going to be my target. So I know I've got that many years. That's just what I assume. It's a 75% likelihood and all that. So you can project how long you're going to live. Then the question is, well, what am I going to do for all that time? And that's where I think you start becoming creative and look do you at want to know? Yeah. Do you want to know how long, according to the insurance world, that you're going to live? Do you want to know that? I mean, um, that's a very spiritual question. Do you want to know? Not, I don't particularly. Yeah. So you didn't I'm, go I'm on this website? I'm just taking it one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You went on the website, Steve, but yeah. Marcy, well, you I, didn't. I, no, I saw it too, but, yeah. I, you know, it's so what? Um, I just kind of take it one day at a time, and uh, all I know is that my calendar is, is quite busy, and I try to uh, fill it up uh, with things that I want to do. Right now I'm looking at what could our third business be. Your third business. What do you want to do? I, that's the problem. I feel like I'd like to do. I feel like I probably have 20 more years left, of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and whether all that's going to be healthy enough to do anything else, I don't know. Yeah. But um, 
it would be nice to have one more business maybe Last, out there. Uh, it's a question because uh, my wife preaches this to me all the time, and I've seen it on uh, uh, signs, on walls, you know, and, and how important is one, your attitude? How, how important is your attitude towards yeah. living in life? Everything. Everything? Yeah. Talk to me it. about that. What do you mean everything? I think you've got to get up every day and be positive. Uh, in my personal experience, I, I'll just relate a personal thing. I lost an eye. My left eye is basically blind. It was a car accident kind of thing. And every day I get up in the first 10 or 15 minutes and I kind of misery over the fact that I can't see stereo. Uh, but once I get beyond that 15-minute mark, I'm back in the groove. Mm-hmm. And I never think about it again until the next day. But being back in the groove to me is the attitude. It's the, it's the right place to be and it keeps everybody else uh, thriving and happy and I think each of us probably have to struggle with some dimension of our life that needs a daily adjustment or a realignment positive. There's a bumper sticker that says nobody gets out of life alive. Uh, yeah. alive. <laughs> yes. you know, everybody has, everybody gets a couple of cards dealt with them. Yeah. Uh, and and, that, and that's what's fascinating to me about how some people, when they get those cards dealt with them, how they react. Yeah. So you're, you, the two of you are living witnesses, obviously, that when those cards have been dealt and obviously they've been dealt and uh, in, in we've talked about this a little bit before the show, um, it, your response is, but I'm alive and there's too much more to do and there's too much more to see. And and that's the fascinating thing. Yeah, we're forever thankful, I think, of a lot of things in our we're lives. We're very grateful. Yeah. Okay, last question. What's the most exciting country you visited? <laughs> Believe it or not, I still love Alaska. It's not the most exciting, maybe, but it's absolutely gorgeous, and you're in God's land when you're there. Yeah, yeah it's a beautiful place. I have a different answer, however. New Guinea. New Guinea. We like to do time travel. That is, travel to places which I are like still... I like to do time travel, still, too. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you can do it. I mean, New Guinea is Stone Age, and you travel down the Sepik River where Margaret Mead did her anthropological work, and you see what she, what she probably saw 50 years ago, and it's roughly year zero, Stone Age. Um, Steve and Marcia Plotkin, thank you very much. And I really appreciate you coming in. Good luck on your next round of travels. Maybe I'll see you in Bethany Beach. I um, hope so. Okay. Great. Great. Let, let's do this real fast. If somebody wants to, wants to contact you about Bethany Beach, how do they do that? Uh, look up ProfusionLLC.com. ProfusionLLC.com and they'll find you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's us. Okay, Stephen Marcia Plotkin, thank you very, very much for coming in and joining us on this first segment of today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. I wish you good luck. Keep in touch. Good luck. I'll see you uh, in the next volunteer thing on television. Uh, Great. I'll probably see you when I watch the convention, maybe. I'll, you'll wave. You'll wave. You'll wave. Thank you very much, guys. Right. Thanks so much. I appreciate thank you. it. Thank and you for and to Beryl from Kendall, who's sitting here quietly, and thank you very much for stopping in. Um, before we go to our second segment on our musical bridge, just uh, let me bring you up to date of another good friend of ours of the show, the Hecht Investment Group of Johnny Montgomery Scott, which provides concierge financial consulting and planning services. Uh, Peter and his group, as we've told you, use a formal investment process as their foundation. Clients receive a written plan, frequent communication, as well as rapid response. And in this volatile financial environment, as we've told you, there are a few needs greater than your own uh, when it comes to planning. Uh, Peter and his team can assist you in connecting to Jenny's investment banking department. 
which specializes in assisting middle market companies achieve their strategic goals. Uh, we'll be talking more about some uh, seminars that the HEC Group will be planning uh, coming up next month. For uh, contact information, we're invited to call them at 856-291-5028 or toll-free at 855-289-2168 and speak with John Connors for more information. And the Hecht Investment Group is also on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And Johnny Montgomery Scott is a member of the New York Stock Exchange, FINRA, and the SIPC. And another mention of uh, some very good friends of ours at Samaritan Healthcare and Hospice, which reminds you that uh, if you or your loved one has been battling serious illness, perhaps the treatment's not working as well as expected, or there are side effects outweighing their benefits. And this is not a time to give up hope. Rather, it's a time to call Samaritan Healthcare and Hospice for the help you need to live each day to the fullest. Samaritan's expert staff specializes in what matters most at this precious time, comfort from your pain, symptoms and anxiety, emotional and spiritual support right where you live, and dignity because you matter every day of your life. We are invited to talk to someone at Samaritan today, uh, not to be afraid to get some of those answers. Samaritan hospice services are fully covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and most insurances. To get comfort, support, and dignity that you deserve, we invite you to call Samaritan today at 800-229-8183. That's one 800 Two two nine eight one eight three. And as we get ready to go into our second segment with Dr. Laskin, we're going to be talking about some issues about strokes and some other medical issues pertinent to baby boomers. We're going to flash back to a great album from the 1950s and a cut from the inimitable genius of Ray Charles. Do I need you? Oh my, and I do I. You know, honey, did I do? Oh, my. 
say, honey, lead us to. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall. Founded on Quaker principles, Kendall provides independent living, assisted living, memory support, skilled nursing, and rehabilitation care for older adults in eight states. Whether you're looking for the intellectual and cultural stimulation of a college town or a big city, Kendall has a community for you. We are together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more, visit Kendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Good day again. Welcome back to our second segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio, coming to you from WWDB AM 860 here in Philadelphia and streaming live on www.dbam.com. And again, you can reach us at boomergenerationradio at gmail.com or like us at the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page. And we're delighted to welcome back uh, to one of, one of our regular visitors here, Dr. David Laskin, geriatrician, medical director of hospice in southern New Jersey. Dr. Laskin, I, I, I trust that you're on the line. I am on the line. Good morning to you, Richard. How are you doing? How are you doing? Good to speak with you. Yes, um, very well, thank you. Things are good over in Thoroughfare, New Jersey today? They are. <laughs> I passed by your office several hours ago on my way to the station. And um, thank you very much for your time and joining us again. We want to talk a little bit about a couple of issues. Um, one issue in particular, we alluded to the last time, the last time you were on the show, um, we just touched on it, and that's this whole area of stroke. And what it is, and um, what it means, what are the warning signs? How prevalent it is? Is it now amongst uh, our generation? Uh, what's the progress? So let's start with the basics. What is what is stroke? So do we have about three hours to do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd, I'd like to um, put this all in, in a template, a framework. I think viewers will really appreciate uh, where this is coming from as to why you're concerned about this. So when we look at our health. We are focused on many different things that we have to keep in order in order to have quality of life, anywhere from proper nutrition and exercise and sleep management and uh, stress uh, maintenance, uh, vaccines, cancer screening, uh, exercise, medication compliance, cancer screening, and uh, cardiovascular risk factors. And that's where stroke comes in. The same things that are cardiovascular risk factors are the same risk factors for stroke. So stroke is the third leading cause of death in the United States. Remember, heart disease, cancer, stroke, pneumonia, accidents, dementia are the top six. And stroke is the leading cause of disability. So some frightening stuff. So looking at what stroke means, Think of it as a lack of blood flow to a certain area of the brain. That area of brain becomes wanting for oxygen. The cells begin to die, and they stop the function. So it gets an isolated portion of the brain that has the injury causing signs and symptoms. And it's all about suddenness, and it's all about 
timing because the quicker that you can recognize something is wrong, the better it's going to be for you. So in terms of signs and symptoms, they are trouble with speaking or understanding. So if you're confused, having slurred speech, uh, having trouble comprehending uh, sentences or commands, a paralysis or numbness of your face, your arm, your leg. Remember, we are a symmetrical being. So therefore, when there's a problem on the right side, there should not be a problem on the left side. So if there's a, a asymmetry, an inequality, that's a warning. Trouble with eyesight, seeing blurred vision or double vision or blackened vision, severe headaches with vomiting, dizziness, altered level of consciousness. And the last one is trouble walking. So loss of balance or coordination, sudden dizziness or stumbling. And there's a lovely little mnemonic that says, think fast, F-A-S-T. So the F stands for face. When a loved one is looking at you, do you have symmetry to your smile? If there is a facial droop, that's a warning sign. Mm -hmm. A is for arms. Is there symmetry of your arms? In other words, you ask your loved one or your friend to raise your arms together. And again, if there is a weakness, one arm, there's a drifting down of the arm, that's a sign of concern. S stands for speech. Repeating a simple phrase is there slurring of the speech. And the most important thing is T, the timing. How sudden is this? Is this something that has been brewing? Uh, because we'll talk later about treatment, that if we let this thing go too long, the chances of correcting the problem begin to diminish. Do these, do these symptoms, the fast symptoms, Dr. Laskin, are they, do they um, come up in other issues? It's, it's, it's somebody, let's say, will experiencing some, some facial twitch or something that really it has nothing to do with stroke. It could be something else. Could, is it sure, easy to be know, fooled? Sure. Uh, there's something called Bell's palsy, right. which uh, is a seventh nerve paralysis. In fact, one of my uh, earliest cases when I was in medical school, I was uh, at an emergency room in uh, the Georgetown Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and a gentleman came in with weakness of his right side. I said, classic stroke. Got a CAT scan, turned out massive tumor in his brain wow. that was causing the problem, and it was not a stroke. So, yes, there are other things that can mimic uh, these kind of signs and symptoms. And that's why it's about signs and symptoms, about history, which we'll get to later on, and uh, risk factors, et cetera. Is, is stroke genetic? Is, are there genetic proclivities? Stroke genetic, yes. Yeah. So there's uh, something people have heard called a Burry, B-E-R-R-Y, aneurysm, which is a outpouching of a intracerebral artery that is congenital that runs in families. Uh, people that have accelerated hypertension because of family history also are at higher risk for strokes. So the blood pressure thing is key. It, it, w is it not? Oh, yes. But there are, there are different kinds of um, risk factors associated with uh, stroke, but hypertension is one of them. Uh, remember, when we talked about cardiovascular risk factors, the big ones are smoking, family history, hypertension, diabetes, cholesterol, and sedentary activity. Ah, uh, sedentary. So, you know, this, you mentioned that because every single day there seems to be another article 
about um, exercise. Exercise. You got to keep the body moving as more or less as a as a cure all. I mean, how how serious is this? The idea of because you just mentioned it. Don't don't just stay sedentary. Keep moving. Do something. Well, you know, one of the beautiful things about your message is it's about about quality of life and healthy maturation. And it's 70% lifestyle. It's about managing your weight, regular exercise, eating properly, eating properly, living, um, limiting alcohol, and avoiding tobacco. I mean, that, that's big stuff. I mean, it's again and again and again. Wow. The message is, is clear. The, the timing thing, Dr. Laskin, that, that last cheap thing, uh, you know, sometimes you watch stuff on TV, or it's probably the worst thing in the world. Uh, and because um, they have only have 55 minutes to solve every single problem on an hour, <laughs> or an hour medical show. But we, we've heard or I've let me refer, I've heard that if you start to exhibit um, symptoms of stroke, the quicker you get, um, you know, help or get to the emergency room, the better off you are, because there's a time window that beyond once you once that window closes, you're into real trouble. Could you speak that's to that? That's absolutely correct. Yes, okay. So that speaks about the types of strokes. So there are two general categories of strokes. One is called the ischemic stroke, which is the majority, about uh, 85% are ischemic tro- strokes, where there's a severe reduction of blood flow. And there are two subsets of that. One is called thrombotic, which is what you're referring to, usually due to a carotid artery disease because of cholesterol plaque buildup. Hmm. And the other type of ischemic stroke is embolic, that comes from the heart, either from a diseased valve or from a uh, heart rhythm disorder called atrial fibrillation, which many people have. And then the other major category of stroke is hemorrhagic uh, due to bleeding. So things like uncontrolled blood pressure, overtreatment with anticoagulants like Coumadin, uh, the baryonurism I mentioned, um, or you can have things due to trauma, uh, congenital things like uh, arterial venous malformations. So there's all kinds of different things. So the, the one you're talking about in terms of time is the thrombotic stroke, which usually begins in the middle of the night while we're sleeping, and that people wake up in the morning and there's a deficit, whether there's uh, problems with vision or there's slurred speech or there's a, a paresis, weakness of an arm or leg. That's the kind of timing that we need to jump on. Right. People can't sit around and see if that's going to resolve because those are the kind of people that can respond to TPA, tissue plasminogen activase, which is the clot buster that has been used to save a lot of lives. We're speaking with Dr. David Laskin, a geriatrician and medical director of hospice in southern New Jersey, and we'll be right back with Dr. Laskin to continue this conversation about strokes um, right after this word from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall Outreach. Kendall Outreach serves the field of aging by raising public awareness of important health care issues of older adults. And it provides education and training in the development and implementation of comprehensive approaches to safe, individualized, long-term care practices. Kendall Outreach has been sharing Kendall's approaches to quality care with consumers, advocates, providers, government agencies, and related organizations since 1989. To learn more, visit KendallOutreach.org. 
Welcome back to our second segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. This is your host, Richard Address, and we're coming to you from WWDB AM860 here in Greater Philadelphia. And we're streaming live uh, all over the known world, I think, at uh, WWDBAM.com. And we're speaking with uh, Dr. David Laskin, um, good friend of the show, geriatrician, uh, really talking about this issue today of stroke. And and Dr. Laskin, you just alluded to something before we went out uh, into the little Kendall break about medication. And we're also seeing a a lot of uh, information, and we've done actually a, a show about this in the last month, about the overuse of medication or the fact that sometimes medications that somebody are some people are taking so many medications they don't get along with each other and don't really have a a coordinator or a quarterback could that influence or be a contributing factor to stroke this this mixture of medications oh sure and we we address this one of our earlier shows that uh, if someone is on eight different uh, prescription medications, the likelihood of a side effect from that is 100%. Eight. So eight, eight or more different medications. And there's a lot of people uh, that have that uh, issue. Uh, but, for example, if you're on a blood thinner like Coumadin because you have atrial fibrillation or because you have an artificial valve and you have to take an antibiotic because you have a, um, an upper respiratory tract infection, there is an interaction between those two medicines which could actually cause further anticoagulation and cause a bleeding disorder from a person who's been stabilized on, on a Coumadin dose. So ha- be very careful. So because so, this really affects, you know, lots of people. I'm sure you oh, see yeah. Yes, it does. I'm sure you see this in your, your, your practice. How do. does How does somebody who may not be hip to the system uh, really guard against this is it because they may go into a hospital and and get treated for this and then people don't talk to it how, how does somebody guard against this over medication or making sure that the medications talk to each other correctly well unfortunately we're not doing a very good job because uh, over a hundred thousand people die each year of medication errors wow from the doctors or from the interaction of medications or from the pharmacist but it's a scary number and we're not doing a good job in fact I think there was a, an article on CNN about it last week about how the FDA has to do something because we're really not doing a very good job. So in my practice, obviously, it's reviewing medications at each time. Uh, I see the person in the office or uh, there's a problem on the phone, uh, number one. Number two, when you travel, you should have a list of your medications with you so that you know that if there's somebody that's going to be uh, prescribing something new for you, that they know what medications you're on. Uh, usually you're, uh, in, in, in the area around here, your primary care physician is the doctor that usually oversees your medications, who kind of captains the ship uh, to make sure that you're not having uh, a lot of drug-drug interactions. Are there apps now for this? I don't know. I, I don't use an app, but I'm, I'm sure there is with all the apps that are out there. Yeah, because uh, I, I'm just not aware of it. Yeah, so the... I know that there's a, um, um, a medical app for, on the iPhone. I really don't. I, I, we should really investigate that. I have to investigate that. That's worthwhile talking about a, having a show on just the medical. And I'm sure there are medical applications on phones that people can that people can use. But this idea of keeping a list of when you travel um, of all the medications that you use because you never know. You just correct. You just you just never know. That's why I thought. Who knows? Anyway, uh, 
So the, let's get back to the stroke thing, the, the, the symptoms, the treatment. Um, we talked about symptoms. Uh, again, stressing the risk factors. And Number one, lifestyle. Lifestyle. Overweight, sedentary, alcohol use. Um, cocaine, obviously, has been uh, an implication for a lot of the younger people. Really? Um, hypertension, smoking, elevated cholesterol level, diabetes, atrial fibrillation, obstructive sleep apnea. At the sleep Over. apnea. The, the sleep apnea is a could be a, a contributing uh, cause of stroke. That that should be one of our next topics. Obstructive sleep apnea is running rampant. It's all over the place. Wow, talk, you know why? I mean, that's just probably a silly question. But first of all, that's that's interrupted sleep, right? Or am I missing? Obstructive sleep apnea means that the body is receiving a lower level of oxygen during sleep. Wow. We become hypoxemic, low oxygen. So therefore, normally right now, our oxygen level is 97 or 98 percent. While we're sleeping, it goes down into the low 80s, 70s. And therefore, uh, the body is deprived of oxygen, which could cause increased risk of heart attack or stroke. And what, what causes obstructive sleep apnea? Do we know? Well, the biggest culprit is obesity. Really? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's a family history for it. Hypertension can do it. Uh, the list is on and on and on. Uh, enlarged tonsils, enlarged adenoids, uh, large tongue. I mean, the type of jaw that you have. We, I, like I say, we could do a whole talk on that. Wow, that's definitely what, something. Because all of a sudden you're seeing more and more um, advertisements about this in the media. So obviously something's sure going sleep on. Sleep centers and the CPAP machines. Right, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, we'll have to. So that is so that that's another risk factor for risk stroke, factor. right? Obviously, the older we get, the higher risk for stroke. Uh, blacks have a uh, higher incidence of strokes than Caucasians, and lastly, men uh, have more strokes than women. However, uh, women are older when they have strokes, and usually they're more likely to die of that stroke. So that's wow. a, a very interesting fact. So you you just raised this the gender differences in in some of these things. It, it, um, Yesterday, the news was filled with reports from the CDC and some other organizations, I think, about the preponderance of silent heart attacks amongst women. Absolutely. More so than men. So Absolutely. We're evidently learning more and more about the medical differences between the genders. Is that correct? Well, I, I would say that that's a very, very old news for people in the medical field. Uh, and, the, and the reason why is that men have quote-unquote the classic symptoms of heart attack you know chest discomfort left arm pain jaw pain exertional shortness of breath where women may have different types of uh, symptoms they could have back pain they could have um, some numbness on the right side of their face you know something that is not traditional right. for a heart attack and so this is this is now becoming more prevalent or just discussed more in the press. Both. Yeah. And the, you also mentioned, just alluded to this again, going back to some of the stroke thing, which trigger you know all this stuff is interconnected, um, as you as you've taught us. This opioid, um, you mentioned the heroin thing about stroke and younger people. 
But that leads to this question about this other explosion of information that we're getting about uh, this uh, epidemic, evidently, of opioid. Um, um, absolutely, with, with Prince's death, right, and Michael Jackson, right. Uh, it's, 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 it's a curse. It's really it's a double-edged sword, and we're going to have to do something about it in the medical field. It's out of control. And, and this is just because of just overprescribing, or we just don't really understand now the long-term implications of, uh, of some of these drugs? Well, I think it's a multifactorial issue. Overprescribing of drugs, certainly um, the desire to feel better, um, so quality of life because we can feel better by using a, an opioid, uh, significant pain, you know, horrible trauma or arthritis due to obesity, due to lack of exercise. I mean, it's a vicious cycle. Wow. Everything is all interconnected then, isn't it? Yes, it is. Let me go back to, because we have about five minutes left in this segment. Let me go back to the, you know, the, the stroke thing. So we, we talked a little bit about the symptoms, the warning signs, uh, some of the definitions. Let's talk about the, the, the treatment and the rehab, um, about somebody who, who walks th- through this valley of the shadow. Uh, talk to us a little bit about methodologies for treatment, rehabilitation, recovery, etc. Okay, so... Uh Excellent question. I hope I can cover it in, in the time allotted. But uh, so, therefore, when you look at it in ischemic stroke, uh, again, we talked about either thrombotic or embolic. Uh, if it's thrombotic, can you intervene within the first three to six hours to be able to give the clot buster? Uh, that's usually done in an emergency room to be able to rectify the neurological deficit. Uh, obviously, if there's no stroke, excuse me, if there's no hemorrhage seen on the CAT scan, uh, you're safe to give aspirin. Uh, the surgical methods that are available are something called a carotid endarterectomy, which is a surgical procedure to take the clot out of the carotid artery, or uh, angioplasty and stenting. Uh, there's a new study called the CREST trial, which stands for a carotid revascularization endarterectomy versus stenting, which looks at the two different uh, methodologies to correct thrombotic stroke. And they found that stenting, which is less invasive, is just as effective as an angioplasty, except for people over 80 years old, which can increase the amount of strokes. Uh, In hemorrhagic strokes, you want to drop the blood pressure to a more manageable level, not plummet the blood pressure, but certainly like a 140 over 80 would be fine. You want to cataract the blunt thitters if someone's on Coumadin. Um, For someone that's had trauma and they have blood uh, that's pressing on the brain, you're going to have to do a craniotomy to remove the pressure. If it's a bury aneurysm, you want to clip the aneurysm. So interventional radiologists can do that uh, by actually clipping the vessel that's causing the aneurysm. Uh, they can put coils uh, into the aneurysm to clog up the aneurysm, prevent it from blowing out. Uh, and then if it's a congenital problem like an arteriovenous malformation, uh, the neurosurgeon can actually remove that clump of vessels at, at, at risk. People, but that can, leaves you... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So that leaves us with the biggest thing about rehab. And there's something called the rule of sixes. So the stroke happens. And there's six days, six weeks, six months. Obviously, we also talked about six hours because if you can get with thrombotic stroke within three to six hours, you can get the TPA and have your deficit reversed. But if you have a deficit at six days, and it can be treated to start seeing some resolution, you're gonna have a good prognosis. Obviously, six weeks 
not as good. And if you have a deficit of six months, the likelihood of you recovering fully after that six months is almost zero. So again, the, the rule of thumb is if you get one of those uh, symptoms, the fast uh, face, arms, exactly. Think speech, fast. and timing, the quicker you get treatment, the better off. So last question, we have about 30 seconds left in this segment, and you just touched on this very quickly. Yes or no, aspirin every day? For me, aspirin every day, uh, men between the ages of 50 and 75, women, yes, between the ages of 60 and 75, Enterocoded aspirin, 81 milligrams. For me, it's an absolute must. So that's the, ba- the so-called baby aspirin, 81, 81 milligrams? Right, but it has to be enterocoded okay. to prevent any kind of gastritis. Dr. David Laskin, again, many, many things. Lots of information, good stuff awesome today. Yeah. And uh, so I really appreciate it. And next time we'll, we're going to think, uh, next time you come back, I think we'll pick up on this uh, sleep apnea thing. It's fascinating. And I really appreciate, Dr. Laskin, you coming on and being with us again here on Boomer Generation Radio. Thank you very much. Say hello to home and uh, to all of you. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you again same time next week on Boomer Generation Radio. Have a great week. Stay safe. Thanks, Dr. Laskin. Bye-bye.